Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. We appreciate you joining us here on 103.1 Super Talk Gulf Coast. Some of you are listening on Facebook or YouTube or your favorite podcast. And um, I don't care how you interact with the show as long as you interact with the show. Because when you do, you're celebrating with me what it takes to make a community like uh, Coastal Mississippi and really the state of Mississippi tick. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. And if I, as I've said so many times, I just enjoy these conversations and the wonderful guests that we have along the way. Uh, you know, by now you you know, especially if you're a regular listener, I have a I had a... Uh, a routine that I did every morning when I was a publisher. I got up at 3.30 in the morning. I read, you can imagine when you're a publisher of a newspaper and then later in my career, regional president, you can only imagine the number of emails that I get from uh, from a wide variety of people. So there's a lot, lot to process, always a lot to process. And I was incredibly thankful uh, throughout my life that I always had uh, support of, of a lot of really important people, and uh, certainly important in my life, including my wife, Anne, I might add. But I was also gifted with a tremendous amount of energy. I had this like l- nuclear power plant working inside of me when I was uh, doing what I did. And and I was I was lucky to have it because it I needed it because there was a lot to process. But I, I enjoyed reading even even in the in the midst of the most difficult times of my career after Katrina, during the the digital tsunami and the strategic changes we were making at the companies that I was involved in. I always enjoyed reading in the mornings. It gave gives me a, it gave me still does give me a great opportunity to be inspired to learn. And as I've said on the show so many times, you the more you learn, the more you better learn how much you don't know. That that learning keeps you humble. It, it, it reminds you how much you don't know. And that if you're true to the process of continuous learning, you uh, you realize you never arrive. And the, the beauty of, of learning is just the journey and the discovery. You know, the other thing is that you, you, you relearn some things because what happens is if you don't use it, you lose it and stuff comes in and if you don't, if you don't, if you don't use it, it gets stored away somewhere. Maybe it's still in your brain or in your soul somewhere, but you, um, you forget the file name for it. So when you read about something, it, it, uh, it kind of conjures up some inspiration. And this morning I was reading, and I ran across a, a quote from Anne Frank. You may remember the, the the really famous book, Anne Frank, The Diary of a Young Girl, was uh, a diary of Anne Frank who, in the spring of 1942, her father, Otto, had to create a place in hiding in Amsterdam as the situation with the Nazis in Germany Germany and that region continued to ramp up. And with some help, they created this hiding place. And during the time in hiding, it was very cramped and they had to remain very quiet. For, for those two years, Anne Frank wrote a diary. Eventually, unfortunately, during a raid, they were discovered 
And they were initially brought to Auschwitz, and then from there they were uh, sent to another concentration camp called the Bergen-Belsen camp. And it was cold and wet, and they didn't have food, and there were a lot of contagious diseases. And Anne and her sister Margo eventually succumbed to uh, typhus and died in 1945. But her diary has been a great inspiration to so many over the years. Her father actually lived, and until his death, he uh, was uh, he died in 1980. Incidentally, he was involved in the Anne Frank House, and he hoped that the writings, her writings, would would make us all aware of the dangers of discrimination and racism, and especially the hatred of Jews that existed at that time. But you know, it was written about Anne Frank that she had a vivid impression of her experiences. Uh, it said uh, that she was thoughtful and moving and surprisingly humorous, and uh, it was a fascinating commentary on the human courage and, and frailty and compelling self-portrait of a sensitive and spirited young woman, and so on. It's just, uh, you know, you, we could go on and do a whole show on Anne Frank, but here's what she said. She said this, and this is what kind of sparked me wanting to go back and refresh my memory. She was born, incidentally, in June of 1929. And here's what she said. I keep my ideals because in spite of everything I still believe, in spite, excuse me, in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. I keep my ideals because in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. What a great testament that is about the, resilient, the resilience of the human spirit. And um, anyway, you know, it's uh you know when you read about someone like Anne Frank it's a great reminder of live in the moment understand that the people around us are really good and if i if i had to say something really amazing about mississippians it's that people who come here they immediately see in the heart and soul of mississippians that this thing they thought of us that we were just terrible racist people unfortunately that's a that's a perception sometimes uh, that it still exists, that they see that we are actually quite good people and we're working together well, and we don't deserve that reputation. And, uh, and, and I, again, I could go on about that. But someone who gets that is my friend Dave Dennis. Dave uh, owns with his kids specialty contractors in Gulfport. He's a former gubernatorial candidate. He's uh, had tremendous experience. We'll get into some of that in, in, a, in just a second. But Dave knows well what I'm saying about what's in the heart and soul of Mississippians. And uh, he's going to be my guest for the entire show today. How you doing, my friend, Dave? I'm doing well, Ricky. Thank you. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, your monologue was certainly spot on. And this is a great state. I'm a transplant here. And, and I was kind of chuckling as you were talking we moved here by choice uh, as 22-year-olds, uh, 22 and 23-year-olds, Jane and I did. And I got to tell you, uh, I expected to be here for a couple of years, get a thing, get a, a business set up, and then migrate back to the Mobile area and then just let this be a satellite. Well, after about a year or two, we figured out, you know what? Mobile's going to be a satellite. So that's how we wound up ultimately doing it. And, and the, the community received us incredibly well, uh, not only in terms of us being accepted as as people, but in terms of of a sense of, of inclusion, of family, of uh, the education system on the coast was strong, and we just uh, we felt it as as our home. And candidly, uh, this is home. When I go back to Alabama, uh, I mean, it's just a visit to visit family for a day or two, and that's about it. But at this point, I got to tell you, uh, the Mississippi is probably one of the most underrated states in this country, if not the most underrated, and I'll take it. Uh, you know, we chuckle sometimes. 
do we really want everybody to know how good it is here? They may all want to move here if we tell everybody. So uh, honestly, if people come and take a look, and you've seen it through chambers, you've seen it through a lot of other venues, a lot of tourism uh, activities, if people get a look, see, and a touch and a feel and a sense of what's really going on here, they like it. And they understand there's a magic here, and it really is a magic on the coast. Well, I've had, I've had so many conversations with people you know, Mississippians who, who have to travel a lot, and when they do, they sort of carry a bit of a burden with them to help dispel myths about Mississippi, and they, and well, they do that. You're almost on the defensive sometimes, and, and honestly, I've quit doing that. Uh, I, just, I just tell them I'm uh, dang proud to be here and, and be from Mississippi, and have you ever been here? Well, why haven't you been here? <laughs> Here's my phone number. Call me. I'll show you around. Get down here now. Hey, the other thing that I love about the show is the opportunity to, to visit with leaders in this community who are not from here, who came here more recently. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, Shari and Craig Davis uh, own the bo uh, Bootleg Howl Bread and Breakfast in, in Biloxi, and they own the Jackson Pearl in, uh, in Ocean Springs. It's a wedding venue. And, um, and man, I had such a great conversation with them. And when I, I actually ended up pulling something that she said, but because of the way she talked about it, they sold their business in, in, uh, in California, they moved here, they fell in love with it. And she said, you know, people here, they love, they don't care who you are, where you came from, who you love, they love you. And that is so true. You know, you saw it, you know, more recently after the tornadoes that hit the lower delta, you saw how neighbor yeah. helped neighbor and the world comes together and, and the cases like that. I was, you know, I was sad recently, and I actually posted something about this, that the New York Times did a terrific story recently about the advancements that Mississippi has made around education. I mean, the, the work that we have done around education is just incredible, centered around reading and the work that they've done to help raise school scores, et cetera. Um, but they also, you know, there's also a paragraph in there simply reminding people that Mississippi is a racist state. And it's just, you know, yeah, it's we, just, try, we try to nuke those people. And there's two major children's education groups, the Canopy Group, you know about. I'm on, uh, and this is not an I comment, but I'm on the state board. The other one is the Children's Foundation of Mississippi. I chair that. And I got to tell you, it penetrates into exactly what you're saying. It gets into trying to encourage the providers, the, the daycare, so to speak, and I'm, I'm using that loosely, but early childhood education uh, venues, giving them the opportunity to understand these are best case practices. Don't want any regulatory uh, uh, abilities, don't want any authority, don't want anything other than encouragement. And that's what's going on. It's an incredibly strong group. and. And the support, and it's, it's driven mostly by foundational support. It comes from conservatives. It comes from what would traditionally be considered as your typical education-driven foundations. And it's this pretty amazing group that is um, really exploding in this state in the areas it needs to be. But the and interviews, in fact, we got two Harvard students coming in this summer, and have had them every summer for the last three years, coming in, understanding the state, and taking it back home with them. It's a, it's, a, it's a great story of Mississippi's progress in education, but again, they always have to remind everyone in the world that Mississippi is, a, is not a good place if, if you don't like racism. It's, it's sad that we have to deal with that. Well, let me anyway, tell you, we'll come back on the other side and we'll continue uh, well, our conversation. Time, Ricky, we'll, we'll, continue our, we'll do that on the other side. We'll see you after this break. 
passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I went back, Dave, when I first had you on the show. We've visited several times, but the first time we told your entire story. And I want to share with you the way I opened that show because um, I think it's so right. In fact, we just tripped over it just then because of the two foundations you just mentioned that you're involved in in the state. But here's what I said. Dave helped shape the coast literally and figuratively. He built a company, a strong company, and especially contractors that has stood the test of time. His business success is only matched by his commitment to the community and family. Uh, And to top it off, he's a former gubernatorial candidate. It would take me the rest of this show to list his many accomplishments over the many years. Um, You know, you and I worked shoulder to shoulder for, gosh, I can't remember how long we worked together. But we've uh, we've been out there, you know, swinging for the good of this community for a long time, haven't we, my friend? Well, well, it's amazing. Uh, uh, I heard George Slugel make a comment 30 years ago. It's amazing what you can get done when you don't care who gets credit. A million people have said that, but it's certainly true, and it, and it stuck with me. And uh, I've never needed credit. I've never needed uh, the adulation or pat on the back. You certainly haven't. And uh, that's I think that's really some of the chemistry and some of the magic that has made this coast work so well, Ricky. People yeah. just want it to be a place that their children would come back to. Would they live? Come back and live, hopefully. Would they have a job? Hopefully. But if you can foster and instill an environment in a community that fosters uh, at least an opportunity, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, I love nothing better than seeing other people succeed. It just, uh, um, it's just a sense of, of uh, humility when you see that, whether it's, uh, I've had scouts, I've, I've, Lord, I don't even know how many scouts have gone through. I do go scout reviews, scouts, coaching, boy state, girl state. There are a million kids I work with over the years. And when they walk up to you and, they start talking to you. You don't have a clue who they are. And they introduce their kids. Oh, that's great. I don't have a clue who they are. I, don't, I can't remember. <laughs> 35 years. I don't know who you are. But I'll never tell them. But they come back, and they come back with a positive sense of community, and they come back with a sense of, of family and parenting. And that's what I try to do. And honestly, that's what I've tried to do. Business has worked. Um, could we have devoted more to business and been more successful? Probably. So what? Um, yeah. I'm not hungry, and I'm happy. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I had a had, I got a call from a friend recently, and uh, he just wanted to tell me how much he's enjoying listening to the show. And he said, um, he he said I love. He said, in spite of all your experience, and and that, that's the one thing. If there's a comment I get from people, it is, you seem to know so much about so many things. And when you're the publisher of a newspaper for 16 years, you learn a lot about a lot of things. Sure you, you know. And it puts you in a position where you can converse with a wide range of people, and I'm honored to be able to do that. But he said, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the way you, the show's not about you. The show's about your guests. And that my knowledge, the experience that I've gained along the way, just provides me a great template for having conversations, again, with a wide variety of people. But it's a, tr- it's a great way to celebrate. And, you know, Dave, I know that the last thing you want to do is come on this show and talk about yourself. But the, what I love about it, the same way I felt about the the leadership awards that we created at the Sun Herald, and that is that it, it, as much as we can do this, in other words, hold others up as examples for others to to look at and say, you know, I want to emulate what they're doing. I want to I want to get involved. I want to do my reps in the community. I want to be a leader in the community. Yeah. If, if we 
we're educating people in that way, and that's what the goal of the show is ultimately, then um, then we will have really you know done a good day's work is the way I look at it. Well, I think so. I'm going to I'm going to flip back for just a moment and touch on something you mentioned earlier about perhaps uh, the perception and that some people have to put a little asterisk. Oh, by the way, it's Mississippi. All that does for most leaders, for most true leaders, not not political uh, people that are simply there to climb a ladder, but people that really have their heart and soul into it. All that's going to do is get them fired up and make them work that much harder and say, come on down and challenge, challenge those people. Have you ever been here? Well, then come down here. I'll pay your airline ticket. Come down here. And let me show you what we have. And then if you still feel that way, then then write your story again. But I have done that many times. And, and a couple of people have actually taken me up on it. And and they go away with a different perspective. Um, but that that is what I feel. But no, you, you have a, a, a sense of community. I do. And where it came from, probably from your parents, most likely, probably from you being a good parent, but in reality, it comes from believing in the people that you're around. I don't care if you're rich, poor, black, white, Republican, Democrat, I, I, I make any difference. The answer is you've got, to me, a unified community on the coast with a few outliers, but a generally a very, very unified community on the coast. And I'm gonna work my duster off to protect it. I'm gonna do everything I can to try and keep a sense of of, of, of traction, so to speak, so that people will want to come here, so that tourism will be strong, so that uh, people want to locate a business here, so that retirees, when they either get out of the military or retire, they'll, they'll come here and continue to grow our community and bring in different perspectives and different points of view and and certainly invest in the community. And that's, uh, uh, that, that's candidly uh, what I have done. Why? I don't know. Could I have directed in a different direction? Sure. But uh, in, in reality, it wouldn't have been as much fun. I couldn't go fishing with you if you did all that. Yeah, no, there's no. Hey, listen, listen, man, here's here's for real, though. It one of the beauties of this show is that it gives people a chance to see what it takes to build a community that's successful, that's resilient. So you have nonprofits that are working together. You've got the, the, the business council that's sort of more the global view that we work together to help form after Katrina. And anyway, all, United Way and Red Cross and all these different groups working together to build a great community. And you know what? When you're in the heat of the moment, in other words, you're really in the trenches doing the heavy lift. You don't. Rarely am I surrounded by anyone who gives a crap whether they get credit or not. They don't want credit. An image that comes to mind. I give you. I give you an image that comes to mind is sitting with Haley Barber, and you, and John Hairston, and George Schlegel, and Jerry St. Pay. And um, uh, you know a wide range of others, and we're 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 sitting down and we're trying to figure out okay how are we going to get ourselves out of this mess that we were in after Katrina. Yeah. What 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 I came to appreciate I got a call from a guy a year after Katrina, literally a year after Katrina, and this guy was a leader in the community before Katrina, and he said. I said, where have you been? I haven't seen you. He said, well, I wasn't asked to be involved. So I, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I got my feelings hurt. I said, are you kidding me? 
None of us were asked to be involved. You just you 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 assume authority where authority's lacking, and you get busy. Amazing that you would. I said, look, okay, you weren't there. I called it the finger pricking. You know, when we became blood brothers in those the weeks and months after Katrina, we he wasn't there for that moment. And he will forever regret it. But, man, we're tired. We need help. Come and join us. That's the yeah. way I looked at it. Look, I brought one of my brothers by there. There's five in my family. I brought one of my brothers by your office, I don't know, a week or two after Katrina. And we're sitting there. I don't even know if you had electricity, candidly. But we're sitting in there. And Tommy had run the private label division of Vanity Fair. This is a several billion dollar operation. I remember the visit. I remember. And, and we come in and and I don't even know if we had on cut off blue jeans or long blue jeans. It doesn't matter. But we came in and sat. And you know, this is a corporate jock that has succeeded beyond imagination in, in the corporate world. His answer to me was not even a question. He just answered me. He said, what can we do? So he came down and, and he stayed here for several weeks. Uh ran into you a time or two and it's just um it's a time that if you truly believe in something it's just like in a relationship in a marriage in parenting whatever you're doing if there's a concern or a crisis that's when you really have to put your a-game out there you don't sit around and and wait for leadership to show up uh you let leadership follow you if you choose to and i think yeah. that's what you're talking about in those meetings uh you know when when uh, president bush would come in it was kind of amazing he would sit there and all and just kind of look and he'd shake his head and go, y'all got this. Y'all got this. Hey, so I, we may I have, was, uh, we may I have was, it, but we could use a little help along the way too. But uh, he, came, he came to coastal Mississippi up. 12 times. Yeah. And I was, I had the, because I was, I was uh, leading the tourism effort at the time, you know, and, um, Haley had a tendency to want to include the, the core group of us in most of his visits. I was so impressed with the way that he, this is President Bush I'm talking about, he would take copious notes. And, you know, as you know, Haley was always deferential, very deferential. I, can, I remember so many meetings, like one, for example, where General Honore was there and Trent Lott and um, I think Thad Cochran was there and Barbara Bush and the president and um, Andy Carr. I mean, every, listen, and still... Haley Barber was the smartest guy in that room. I mean, was, no doubt, no doubt. It was, it was, and then, and and the way that President Bush took copious notes. But what you got to, see, we were fortunate because we got to see how all these elements played together. And it could be argued, and it's certainly the time I've spent in New Orleans, I came to appreciate this. It could be argued that President Bush was not in touch with the realities of what was happening on the ground relative to Katrina in the initial yes, days. Yes, but he was. came to appreciate it and understand it. And he did not get credit for the amount of, of energy and time he put on it. Well, I'll get your response to that on the other side, but we're visiting with Dave Dennis. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend, uh, entrepreneur, business owner, community leader, Dave Dennis, former gubernatorial candidate. When we went to break, we were talking about uh, George Bush and his commitment to coastal Mississippi after the storm. And I tell you, one of the one of the things I'm really glad is that Haley wrote the book, America's Storm, because it really, you know, forever has put on paper the incredible leadership that had to occur in coastal Mississippi to make this place come back. And people can learn from the experience. You did, and you did the forward on it, if I'm not mistaken, did you? I did. Yeah, I did. Well, well interestingly, you were mentioning uh, President uh, George W. Bush, 43. Was he in? Was he as sensitive, perhaps, as, as suppressed wanted him to be in the first day or two? I think clearly he understood that it was a major concern. But once the water started penetrating and inundating New Orleans, it's it's a whole different game, whole new ball game. Well, that was day two or so is when it really became evident uh, what was going on. But I will tell you from my experience with him, from dealing with him, from being around him, from being around his family, not only was he engaged, he was very concerned and sincerely concerned, very sincerely concerned. His dad was the same way when he would come. And my sense of it was, he put politics aside, totally aside. And you mentioned Haley being uh, Governor Barber, perhaps being the smartest guy in the room. I'm certainly not going to contest that. Um, there would there would be some folks that would be on the podium with him, but I don't know who would be holding up the, the gold medal. But sitting in there uh, in like 08, when the economy started melting, before it really melted, uh, we had a guy. I was uh, still part of the Federal Reserve. I got my $200 a month to chair. Uh, New Orleans then head up the national group of, of directors, which was really interesting. But uh, we sat with a man, Dave Altig. He was head of the economics department at the University of Chicago, but he also doubled as an economist with the Fed, the Federal Reserve. So we're sitting in Jackson one day, and he's telling Haley, he says, you know, the economy is decelerating, and the pace of deceleration is accelerating. And he's going... He said, Haley says, that's not good. He said, oh, no, that's not good. Anyway, he got it immediately and took it and ran with it. And you saw him dial down the state. Uh, He he was ahead of the curve. And and again, it doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat. He was ahead of the curve. He was a leader. And I think that's what you see on the coast. And sometimes, you know, we look at our younger generation. Are those kids stepping up? They may not be stepping up, but they will step up. And you and I have had this conversation, Ricky. There was a group, a core group of about, what, 20 or so after Katrina that literally just uh, did whatever was humanly possible. The business council you mentioned, there were 11 or 12 of us that uh, pitched pennies in and incorporated it. And it, uh, it became, I think, the focal point of what's going on. Did I just yeah. lose it? Uh, I, I can't tell if I lost you. Yeah, you're still there. Just to, go ahead, buddy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, but it became the focal point of the coast. So as the business community looked toward the business council, it took issues. And instead of taking a shotgun approach and approaching 10 or 12 issues, it it focused in on two or three or four issues. And it became, to me, the the landmark organization for the coast. And it's, uh, in many respects, it, it still is. But leadership matters. But I think you're your younger generation is clearly willing to step up. If you look at uh, Coast Young Professionals, if you look at the under 40 presentations that are made, uh, uh, 
leadership is there, and I think they get it also. And I think it's still incumbent upon us, but of, of the 20 or so that really were trying to take the coast and, and try to get your business put back together, get your personal life put back together, get your home put back together, we also understood the, the global aspect of we got a bigger picture to deal with or it's not going to matter what your home looks like or what your business looks like because it's going to be null and void. So that that was a really intriguing, uh, I'm going to say, monumental point in many people's lives. But that group of that group of 20 or 25 at the most, uh, there's only four or five that are really still super active. And it's uh, uh, it's it's still refreshing to see people come in. But uh, you clearly had a, a lead point in that and, and a point position that um, I think the coast probably doesn't even need to know who really stepped up and who did things. The point is people did what they had to do, Ricky, and that's true in life. Forget Katrina, it's true in, in all our lives and all our businesses. Uh, Dave, I think that the, what's important about the conversation we're having and for people who are listening, I tend to often think about life on the coast pre-Katrina and post-Katrina because when you consider it, you know, again, you have to remind yourself. And so there are a lot of leaders involved in Coach Young professionals that were just, you know, 10 years old when, when Katrina hit. Oh, yeah. you know? And um, you, you have to remind yourself that this is the worst natural disaster in American history. And it took a, an effort, local, state, and federal effort, unlike anything we've ever seen before. I had the, I had the, the pleasure of being chairman of the, of the uh, Citizen Advisory Committee for the Knight Foundation that you had been involved in throughout right. at, at, at times along the way. And the role that Alberto, my friend Alberto Bargman played in helping us you know, get money. Adele Lyons was was our was our Knight Foundation employee at the time, and she the work that she did, and now she's chairman of the Coast Chamber. But um, for the you know the, the Knight Foundation, the Knight Center came as a result of Alberto's incredible focus here. He was here on the ground within one week of the storm. The, the Knight the Knight Foundation's generous contribution is really a million dollars. I mean, he when I he said, "What will it take?" I said, "A million dollars. We need a million. Jim Barksdale is going to give a million. We'd like." to get a million from the Knight Foundation. And he said, look, you know, have, you know, introduce me to your governor and uh, and we'll go from there. So uh, Haley and uh, Alberto talked. Alberto didn't didn't uh, didn't pause. He contributed a million dollars, even without a board approval. <laughs> he joked about that oh, yeah, later that, that they didn't well, they didn't even think twice about it. But we, it was important to run the governor's commission with private money because they didn't want to have state money going into it. It would have kind of made it more cumbersome. Well, you would have had a full bid process. Says, interestingly, on the coastal area, the two major conduits for money, Gulf Coast Community Foundation and the Build Back the Coast Front Fund, my late wife Jane chaired both of them at that point in time. And uh, she, actually, she co-chaired the Build Back the Coast Fund with Margaret Taylor, my former congressman, Jean Taylor's wife, Margaret, who was so super. But uh, those two girls were unbelievable in terms of uh, trying to get in the community. In fact, the Sun-Herald had a picture of Jane standing with President Carter literally hammering on a house. And I remember the night before it was turned over, Jane went out and bought curtains. We went and hung curtains in this house. This lady walks in the house. She about has a stroke walking in the house going, oh my gosh, look at this. Well, there's y'all ran a picture, David Purdy, who used to work with you. David took yeah. a picture of her and, and it had to be a, a 12 by 12 color picture of Jane literally crying um, with that lady. And it, uh, uh, that, I think that's what you saw was the heart and soul of people getting engaged, getting involved, and uh, wanting to make it work. But 
it, but it's, it's still true, Rick. It's true uh, for any kind of business. You building this show up you're on right now, if you don't come across with some kind of sincerity and credibility, uh, you're going to be one and done with, with each each person that views it. That's it. So uh, you hey, better listen, do your game every day. Steve, Steve Davenport, who owns Super Talk, and Kim Dillon, the president, said to me when we first started the show, he said, just think of it this way. You're sitting at your table, dinner table, having a glass of wine with, with a really good friend, and you're having a conversation, and it just needs to be interesting. And then the other thing the other thing is you can when you're in radio, you can't ever fake it. <laughs> of course, I, I, knew that, I knew that as a publisher because people will p- figure that out so fast that it oh, makes yeah. your head spin. Yeah, you, so get, you, get, you get one shot at a first impression. That's it. You do. And look, if you don't know, if you don't know something, you need to tell. So you need to say so. Boy, I, I, that's why I'm, that's why I focus a lot on this notion of you, you, you can never know it all. You know, that life's a journey. You better learn how much you don't know. And I'm, you know, I love learning. I love, you know, talking to people like you and learning. But, you know, what you and I and Chevis and George and John Harrison and this group of people can give back to this community is is to remind constantly remind people what it takes to build a great community because then if we were you know the thing is it shouldn't take a Katrina to get us all in the trenches working toward making this a better place okay we should all as I said at the one coast award two years ago we should all be focused on fighting complacency I mean that, as Jerry points out that's the biggest issue that we face that 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 Ingles uh, and Chevron are always going to be there. The blue chip industries that are part of Stennis are always going to be there. That gaming is always going to be here. And, you know, if we keep, if we are complacent, we will lose. We don't, can't don't be, take it for granted. We got to, we got to fight the status quo. There are too many. In fact, unfortunately, a lot of them in public life and in political life that protect the status quo. We can't protect the status quo. We got yeah. to advance the ball. And we have to fight mediocrity. We cannot ever be satisfied with where we are. We have to push this, the ball forward. And by taking the learnings, you know, this 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 notion of when the going gets tough, the tough get calm. That's what we saw after Katrina. We calm we calmly said, okay, yeah. let's look at the situation yeah, and let's figure out how we're going to work our way out of this. There's a lot to learn from when you and I get together. And I hope that young people and even leaders that are now just getting involved in the community can understand that. There's no surface involvement that that results in good uh, good results. It, it, you got everyone's got to get in the trenches. Hey Dave, well, I'll, let you, I'll let you respond on the other side as we continue our conversation with Dave Dennis and uh, this terrific visit we're having today. We'll see you after this break. So listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Dave Dennis from Specialty Contractors, longtime community leader across the state of Mississippi, former gubernatorial candidate here in Mississippi, and just a really, really good friend. Uh, when we went to break, we were we were just talking about um, fighting complacency and the status quo and all that. What, what, what's your reaction to that? I, I think if, if you're happy with status quo, then good for you. Uh, most of us probably are not, but I recall from the 1990 Leadership Gulf Coast class, the late Gene War made a comment, and he said, if you're a leader, you're going to ruffle feathers and just always know that somebody is going to be upset with what you do. Somebody's not going to like what you say, and that's okay. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, I don't think you had full viewership or, or readership of your paper that was candidly and 100% lockstep with what you said. And, and on what we're saying today, there are going to be plenty of naysayers, and that's fine. Then roll your sleeves up and try to change it. But uh, Ricky, I think it's incumbent on people to, to be a leader if you choose to, if you have it. And you don't have to be, but at least look for some target, look for something that is a goal, look for a purpose in life, and go for it. I mean, I'm, uh, I, for all intents and purposes, retired at this point. Um, I am working on one job, the Model Railroad Museum, the Traintastic, that opens up uh, actually on the 17th. Uh, so I got to tell you, I look at I look at what uh, Richard and Glenn Mueller did as a gift to the community. And, and you had uh, uh, Cindy Walker and, and Glenn on, Glenn Mueller on a few months ago, but they're giving the community a phenomenal, phenomenal, very expensive gift. And we're having the privilege of working on it, but uh, uh, Cindy Walker's running it. And it is, it is going to be, I think, one of the incredible attractions. But I'm saying that to say, not as a plug, but as what does leadership look like? Leadership can look like, I'm going to give this to the community, and it's going to be a draw to help uh, hopefully improve a blighted area. Or I'm going to do this for the community to help to help scouting or, or, or ball clubs, whatever it may be, or, or education, which, uh, candidly, we could have a whole you're not going to have a whole topic on early childhood education. I, I'll give you another hour or two on that if you wish. But um, it's leadership means you care. That's what it means. It means you care, and it means you're willing to to take whatever commentary people offer, good or bad, and, uh, and take it and move the ball in the direction it needs to go. You understand that. I do. Many, many people do. And, and I think this community particularly the coastal areas in extraordinarily good hands and then um, moving in that direction and in the state in most respects is also. I think, I think, you know, that's so well said. Just the notion about ruffling feathers. I, I knew well, as you well know, as <laughs> being the publisher of the newspaper and willing to, to take tough positions from time to time, especially after Katrina. I mean, we, I, I fought a few fights after Katrina and I fought a few on this show. Now, uh, but no, no, you know, obviously, I, I, that's not what this show is about. But if an issue no. does come up, I'm willing to I'm willing to address it. And, you know, what's interesting is that, that it's a part of the culture of Mississippians that we don't like to ruffle feathers. So it's kind of going a bit against the grain when we do that. But we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to say that the, these people or that person doesn't have the best interest of the community at heart. And and like you said, that's okay. It's not personal. It's just a, it's a no. difference of opinion about, about you know, how, how we should achieve the goal. Well, I faced some linebackers that played at Tennessee and Georgia and Florida and other places when, when I would dress out at Auburn occasionally. And uh, those guys, I mean, they, they wanted your head. 
the people on the coast just have a different opinion. We can sway their opinion. We can get their opinion to move it in a different direction. We can move it to where, all right, I respect what you're saying, but let's take another look. There, there may be two or three or four or five correct answers. Let's get to the best correct answer. And I think that's what leadership does. And I think uh, grabbing the bull by the horns and running with it and honestly showing people that this probably is the best answer, it's not a bad way to go. Uh, I still got a little gas in my tank. I'm going to keep plugging along and uh, until uh, I get put out to totally put out the pasture, I'm going to keep at it. I, and that's kind of the way I feel about it, too. I had my you know almost five-year break, and then yeah, I still consider myself retired like you. But, you know, you can be retired and give back to the community. You can be well, retired and still be engaged. Well, I, I still do. I still do some at work. I'm, I'm minimally in, involved at work. And candidly, uh, the generation that are our customers, so to speak, they're my children's age. They're not my age. Uh, and, yeah. and that's okay. I've worked hard to get to this point, and I think I'm, uh, I'm sure willing to enjoy it. And but, you got, you've got some smart kids who are incredibly uh, capable. Well, I give their mom a lot. Of, most well, I give her mom the credit for that. Uh, <laughs> you, know that you know that story. So I, uh, I have a boys, very and, and James story. certainly didn't mind ruffling feathers. If uh, if there was an issue that needed to be addressed, uh, you might as well just go ahead and agree before you even discussed it. So <laughs> it'd, it'd make your life a lot simpler. Well, first of all, Jane was smart as hell and tough as nails, man, when she got locked onto something. And and uh, you better know what you're talking about if you were going to go toe-to-toe with Jane. I agree with that. Uh, anyway, life has been good, and I continue to enjoy it. Hey, Dave, we'll get together more often. These conversations are really beneficial to our audience. I know that for a fact. And when we get back, back together, in fact, we'll get, we'll get something scheduled next couple of weeks. I want to talk about the Federal Reserve and this, uh, you know, all these variables, you know, in terms of the economy these days. And we can spend a little time, actually, on early childhood development, why that's so darn important to education system. But for now, we're out of time. Have a great day, my friend. Thank you. Be safe. Thanks. This has been, this has been Dave Dennis. Have a great day and we will see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.